2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. This is a um, passage of scripture that the most of you have heard, I'm sure. Um, for the most part, you hear it at, at funerals. Pretty common to, to hear this scripture read at, at funerals. Um, we're going to look at a different side of it this morning. We're staying with our overall theme of the simple gospel. And, and this morning's message would be titled, Quitting is Not an Option. Quitting is not an option. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You may be seated. Let's pray. God, I come to you again this morning to say thank you. I can't, I can't say thank you enough. Father, I ask that you would be in our presence this morning, that you would guide us through your word, that you would hide me behind the cross, that everything that comes out of my mouth would be for the purpose of building your kingdom, glorifying your name. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to your word this morning, that your scripture would speak to us and help us to grow to be closer to that image of your glory that you so desire for us to be. Father, we thank you, we love you, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. The time of my departure is at hand. Paul is at the end of life. He sees the end coming. If you could go back and capture all the scenes from Paul's life, just the ones that we know about from Scripture, it would be, a, it would be an amazing amazing journey to watch unfold. And as a matter of fact, you can do that. You can take the Bible and you can sit down and you can follow Paul on his journey, on his missionary journeys all over the world to spread the gospel. You would see a man that is tortured on a number of occasions. You'd see a man that is thrown into prison. You'd see a man that... that, that is a part of performing miracles. You'd see a man that's on a ship that's about to be sunk and everybody's in panic and he's going, it's okay. I know I got to get there, so we're probably going to make it. You'd see all of these things play out in this man's life and then we would come to this point where he looks around and, and, and listen to these words. I am already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. Paul's at the end. It's almost over. But there's no fret in Paul's words. There's no panic in Paul's words. Have you ever talked to somebody that's at the end of their life? 
that is so confident in their salvation that they're not even fearful of death? Have you ever talked to someone at the end of their life that is so close to death, yet they continue to smile because all they can concentrate is, finally, I'm going to get to meet my Jesus face to face. Have you ever been with somebody like that? I have. I've seen those people. I've had those conversations. And it's a, an amazing thing. An amazing thing. Because for that person, the end isn't really the end. It's the beginning. Life for them is just starting. They've endured all these things and suffered all these things. And finally, finally, I'm fixing to get released from all this hardship and go stand face to face with my Jesus. Y'all, that's a wonderful way to leave this walk of life. That's a wonderful mindset to leave here with. To be so confident in salvation that this is not the end, it's just the beginning. That's where Paul's at. And even in Paul's death, he's trying to get Timothy prepared for things to come. And he's trying to get words out there that people will preach and speak for the remainder of time. Imagine that. Imagine that. Now there's some words coming up here that we're going to concentrate on this morning. Paul's at the end of his life. And believe it or not, every one of us is going to be there someday at the end of life. It's coming. If you're a statistical kind of person like I am, you like numbers and you like seeing what things represent numbers-wise, this is a pretty cool number. 100% of people born will die. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. So every one of us is going to face death. Whether it's an abrupt thing or it's a, a drawn out thing, we don't know. But we know death is coming. Death is coming to every one of us. Scripture tells us that in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So everybody's going to die. It's appointed to us, every one of us, to die one time. That's a physical death that we're going to experience. It's going to happen. No denying it, no beating it, no cheating it, no none of that stuff. It's going to happen. We're going to die. Every one of us. Don't, 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 don't have to fear it though. But it is going to happen. It is coming. Now look at verse 7. Now first before we go there, I want to... This is, this is not in my notes. This is free. I won't charge you any extra for this part. But in verse 6, he says, The time of my departure is at hand. It's interesting to me that he uses the word departure. Anytime you have a departure, you must have what? An arrival. If you leave one place, you've got to arrive somewhere, right? Paul is saying, my departure is at hand. If you go to the airport, if you go to the bus station, there's two different terminals. Departure and at the departure gate, you'll probably see people crying and hugging, and I'm going to miss you so much, <laughs> and sadness. But over here at the other side, at the arrival gate, what's going on? Oh, God, you're finally here. I'm so excited to see you, right? The same is true, can be true, for us <coughs> in this life. 
Although on this side, when we when someone dies, when someone passes, there's tears, and we're going to miss them so much, and there's a departure taking place, right? But for those, not for everybody, but for those who walked hand in hand, a living, breathing relationship with Jesus Christ, salvation was theirs. On the other side is what? An arrival. And it's a party going on, and it's a celebration like no other. Right? I've, I've lately read something doing a, a, several funerals over the last little bit. It seems like it's been a ton of them. <laughs> Um, that we've spoken at and some of them we've done together and some of them we did on the same day one right behind the other it's been kind of crazy to, to do all that but trying to keep up with and, and, and tend to all of that I, I read something somewhere down the line that says a, when a Christian dies we should not refer to them as lost you know I shouldn't say I lost my such and such last week because when something is lost what does that mean? You don't know where it's at, right? When something's lost, you don't know where it is. When a Christian dies, are they lost? Oh, we know where they're at. <laughs> right? We know where they are. Listen to this. Listen to what you can do for your family, for your loved ones, for your friends when you allow them to know and understand that you understand salvation and that you know you have that and that you're secure in that. Then they don't have to wonder. Then they don't have to stand there over that casket or that urn and try to figure out. You can let them know now. The best way to let them know is to live it. Because see what you're doing every day, whether you know it or not, is you're, you're preaching your own funeral every day. You can hire me and Kevin to stand up over you. You pay us up front. Don't wait till after you leave. <laughs> to say whatever you want said over your casket, over your urn, whatever. But will it matter what we say? It won't, will it? See, at that time, all these things are already played out. See, this is the simplicity of the gospel. This really is. the simpli If there's a departure, there will be an arrival. And you're going to arrive at one of two destinations. And that's going to be determined by how you live your life. Whether or not you trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior or you don't. Whether you are redeemed by the blood of Christ or you're not. Nothing else plays into that decision. You can't buy a ticket one way or the other. You can't talk us or pay us to stand up there and say certain things so it changes your destination. At that point, nothing else matters but a relationship with Jesus Christ. All of that, that last little bit right there was free. You can edit that out and we'll sell that for bonus coverage or something. Verse 7. Look at the wording. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What do all of those statements that Paul just made have in common? They're all Words of completion, right? I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. This is not Paul at the beginning of his ministry talking about how great it is to be in the race or how great it is to start the race. He doesn't, he's not talking about the benefits of getting involved in the race. 
See, this, this walk of faith that we're in is a race. But it's different than any other race. This race doesn't matter who gets there first. It only matters that you finish. Finishing is the whole goal. Not finishing ahead of somebody. And you know, it breaks my heart to say that I'm a competitive guy. I think everything's supposed to be a competition. And this ain't. It's not a competition. It's not to see who can get done first. It's to see that everybody finishes that starts. There's no reward for starting. I heard a, a, a friend of mine, every time I preach this, I end up on this story, and I promise you I don't write it in my notes. Um, there was a gentleman that went to church here um, named Mr. Goats. By the time I met Mr. Goats, he was on up in age and, and walking on a cane and um, was a storyteller. Man, I love to sit and listen to older people tell stories. I mean, I... I don't know if y'all like it, but I like storytelling. I mean, I don't know if y'all realize it, but I, I like storytelling. More than telling stories, I like to listen to stories. And this guy was a storyteller. Man, he could tell anything. And I could listen to him talk for hours if the opportunity was there. He was telling stories one day at church. And it was several, a couple of us, I won't say several, a few of us gathered around. And, and he was telling stories of, of the past. And he said... Um, he was at work one night at a factory, and he said, you know, he was in his uh, mid to late 50s, and there was a gentleman there that was in his early 20s, and this guy was talking about how fast he was and how he could beat anybody in a race. And Mr. Goats looked at him and said, I'll bet you, I'll, he said, I'll put $100 on it. He said, as a matter of fact, right now, me at my age, you at your age, I'll race you for $100. And that guy goes, are you kidding me? And he said, no, I'm serious. I, he said, we'll give our money to this guy over here, a mutual guy, and I'll race you for $100. And this guy's looking at Mr. Goats going, what's the, you know, there, there's got to be a trick. <laughs> and he goes, there's no trick. I'm telling you, I'll race you for $100. So the guy finally gives in and gives his $100 to, to the guy, and Mr. Goats gives his $100, and they go over here to the starting line, and somebody hollers, go, and Mr. Goats walks off the starting line right over here to get his money, puts it in his pocket, and starts to walk off. And the other guy goes, ho, ho, what are you doing? What are you, what, ho, oh, no, what, what's going on? And he said, I told you I would race you for $100. I didn't say nothing about beating you. I didn't even say I would finish the race. I just told you I will race, and you agreed to it. This race that we're in isn't about winning and losing. It's about finishing the race. This is a race of endurance. This is a race. Quitting is, cannot be an option. Listen, y'all are electric. We all are electric to a, to a sense. Any of you that know anything about electricity, you've ever been into any kind of electricity class whatsoever, you'll remember this statement I'm about to say. Electricity always takes the path of least resistance. Every time. You know what that means? That means if you have a poor connection somewhere, and you reach up and grab it, you know what's going to happen? <clears throat> you know why? Because you just became the path of least resistance. 
Me and you, in that sense, are a little bit electric. We'll take the path of least resistance. We will. We're always looking for an easier way, aren't we? We do that. God isn't interested in the easiest way for you to accomplish something. He's looking for the way that brings Him the most glory. So that means you're probably going to endure some hardships along the way. That means that this race that you've entered into, this fight that you're in, isn't going to be easy to get to the end of it. It's not going to be easy to remain in the fight, but it's of utmost importance. Listen, this is one of the simplest concepts of the gospel. You can't quit. You can't be looking for an easier path. You've got to stay in the race. You've got to stay in the fight. And that's not going to be easy. Look at Paul's race. Look at Paul's fight. Look at what he endured to get to the point where he could say, I made it. I kept the faith. I fought. He didn't say I started fighting. He didn't say I fought most of. I fought the good fight. He made it to the end. He entered into this thing and he carried it all the way to the end and that is necessity for salvation. You can't quit halfway and think you got it whooped. That's not an option. You won't make it. You'll get a rude awakening. You've got to complete the race. You've got to. At any time, any one of you can choose the path of least resistance, throw your hands in there and go, it ain't worth it, and walk away. You can do that. I can. I could do that. And to be honest with you, there's days where that option looks pretty good because it gets hard. This is a tough fight. To stay on this path, to stay in relationship with Jesus Christ, to stay focused on God's wills and not my own desires. It's tough. Sometimes the suffering is almost unbearable. It's tough. It's hard. It's not easy. It's not going to be easy. But you can't quit. You can't give up. Um... Uh, I got the wrong guys. George Foreman said it best. A measure of a man is not how many times he gets knocked down. It's how many times he gets back up. This whole world's going to knock you down. You're going to take some licks. You're going to take some blows. But you just got to get back up. You just got to keep fighting. You got to keep trying. You got to keep digging. You got to keep going. You cannot quit. Quitting cannot be an option for you as a Christian. You can't quit. You can't. It can't be an option. If you allow it to be an option, it, it'll be the option that you take. Look at <coughs> 2 Timothy, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 7. This is still Paul talking. 2 Timothy 2, 3. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You, he's talking to Timothy. You must endure hardship. It's coming, man. It's going to happen. It's going to be tough. Look at what he says in verse 4. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. 
You get that? Keep going. Also, if anyone competes in athletics and he is crowned, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. You get that? Look at verse 6. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Look at these things. Look, look at verse 4. Entangles himself a soldier called to duty. A soldier called to duty is completely severed from the normal affairs of civil life. Right? What do we do with our soldiers that are called to duty? We remove them from where they are. Now, ask Miss Lauren, whose son Ben is a Marine right now, and was close to home and within reach and all that stuff, and then all of a sudden, what do we do? He's in California somewhere now. He ain't close anymore. We remove them from their current affairs, to get them focused on what? The task at hand. As soldiers of Jesus Christ, you and I cannot be entangled in the things of this world and the concerns of this world. Where must our focus be? In the fight for Christ, right? In order to stay in this fight, you've got to be focused on it. In order to stay in this race, you've got to be focused on it. He goes on to talk about athletes that get into a, a contest. In order to receive the prize, you must do what? Play by the rules. There's a whole lot of rules to this fight we're in. They're more like guidelines to keep us on track and to keep us focused so that we can finish the race. You don't get a reward. This ain't a race with Mr. Goats. You don't get a reward for starting. Your, your reward comes with finishing to the end. I'm being poured out. The end is near. Paul can see that it, his days are numbered. They're, they're limited. He's almost done. And he's excited because he stay, stayed in the fight. I fought the good fight. Right? I, I've kept the faith. You've got to stay in the race. You can't quit. Quitting is not an option. You've got to stay focused. You've got to keep the most important things the most important things. You've got to keep the emphasis in the right place. You've got to stay focused. This is not an easy thing to do. What I'm telling you is very simple, but it's difficult because it's going to be hard some days. As a matter of fact, some people would raise their hand and go, Brother, it's hard every day. It gets to that point sometimes. It's tough. As a matter of fact, it's aggravating. <laughs> and you know what? When you look around and you look at the other options that the world offers, you go, that'd be easier. <laughs> it would be. You know why? Because the world has no standard. They're, whatever everybody else says is okay, then I can do that. Well, we don't live by that standard. We have a different standard. And it's marked by God himself. And if he says it's not okay, it's not okay, and I have to stick by that. I went to a parent-teacher conference for the first time in my life as a parent here not long ago. I didn't want to go. But my daughter was reading a book I didn't think she ought to be reading. It was assigned to her by a teacher. And I sent word, and the word came back, and she didn't really care what I thought. 
in not so many words, and not so not did not a direct quote there. So I said, "Well, I guess I'll have to go talk to this lady," and I did. And as politely, I didn't go the first time because I was riled, and Amanda said, "You probably shouldn't go right now. You should probably wait till the next parent-teacher conference." And I did. And the way it was set up there is all the teachers for my child is in one room, and I go and sit down in front of them. And, and they went to telling me what a great kid she is and how smart she is and how social she is. And they went through their whole spiel and they said, do you have any questions for us? I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. I do. <laughs> you probably shouldn't have asked that. You probably just should have left it where we was and went, there's the door, Mr. King, good for having you. But you didn't. You asked. Because I went in and said, God, I'm not going to be trouble. I'm not going to be... But I, I think this needs to be addressed, and not just for my child, because my child's done done it and it's over with, but for, for children to come. I said, as a matter of fact, I do have a question. Who's in charge of Harry Potter? <laughs> and this lady sitting there, her eyes got a little big, and she said, oh, that'd be me. And I said, do we have to read Harry Potter? And she said, well, I don't guess, do, what's the problem with Harry Potter? And I said, let me show you the problem with Harry Potter. I said, when I look at Harry Potter and I look at Scripture, I see the Scripture tell me not to be involved in witchcraft, not to be involved in sorcery. And I'm not saying that reading or watching it makes you involved in it. But here's what it does. It puts your mind in a place where you see a better option where you could possibly look at that and go, you know what, this may be. Whereas if I avoid it, now the older you are and the more mature you are in your walk, the less this matters. But for a fifth grader, it's easy to believe that stuff. It's easy to want to dabble. Did any of y'all ever have a Ouija board when you was growing up? You know, it had been a great thing if my parents would have been aware of the people that had those and told me, you probably shouldn't mess with them. You should probably avoid that. Because we ended up in a cemetery one night playing with one. Ooh. Of course, we all ran back to the house. <laughs> of course, we were unaware that the oldest guy there, the teenager, was the one doing it all, and we bit it and <laughs> we ran. But if I had never had that option, right, I would have never had that to overcome. I still stick by my theory of garbage in, garbage out. So, the, so I can control what garbage I can control when, when I'm present. But when I'm not present, I depend on other people to control that garbage for me. So me and them other people got to get on the same page. <laughs> and that means we're going to have to have a little meeting. <laughs> And it means I may walk in the room, your friend, we may walk out and you don't like me no more, and that's okay. They stand in line. <laughs> a lot of people don't like me, I promise. I encounter them on a daily basis, and I'm good with it. <laughs> that's the truth. They think I'm crazy, Mary. In order to stay on this race... I've got to control my focus. So in order to keep people like my daughter in this race, 
I got to help control her focus. And in the situation, I don't always have control. I went into a discussion about standards with these ladies. And I just said, you know what? I'm just going to be honest with you. I live by a different standard than most people you will encounter. And my standard's very important to me. And it's very important to me to instill that same standard in her. So when things that don't match up with our standard come up, she tells me. Because they're odd to her. You know why? Because it ain't her standard. So what I want you to understand is... I, I'm just on a different standard than you are. I'm not mad at you. I don't dislike you. I love you. As a matter of fact, I, I, me and you could probably be really good friends if we had the opportunity. But we got a different standard. See, as a Christian, I, I'm, I'm held to a different standard. This is my standard. This determines right and wrong for me. Not what everybody... Because if we took a poll in here and asked people, how many of you think Harry Potter's... 90% of you'd say, oh, there's nothing wrong with it. It may not be. May not be nothing wrong with it for you, but at my house, that junk ain't coming in the door. Because garbage in, garbage out. The more of that junk you allow into your children, the more of that junk you're going to see coming out of them. Then you stand back and go, I don't know why he acts like that. I do. <laughs> I do. Get you a standard and stick to it. Stick to that standard. And don't just go out and make up your own. Get you a standard. It's already written out. It, every, hey, it's going to be important for you training up a person that you want to set on a race and help them endure that race. You're just going to let them look at me. Would y'all put me in a race? <laughs> Gee, would you put me in a race? Gee, why would you put me in a race? That's right. See, G knows that if you put the right prize, I can win any race. If there's a dozen donuts down there, I'm going to be hard to beat. <laughs> right? But if you're going to prepare somebody for a race, you want to get them in a, in a good place to, to have a good chance at finishing that race, right? Nobody's going to win that don't finish. So you got to be pouring the right things spiritually into a person in order to set them on this spiritual race and expect them to complete that race. Right? You can't take a person and enter them into a fight that don't know how to fight. You've got to teach them and guide them how to fight if you expect it. Because what's going to happen the first time they get hit? They're going to quit. They're electric too. <laughs> they're going to take the path. That, that, that over there don't hurt as bad as this does. Right? And they're going to bail out. You've got to prepare them for that. You've got to get them ready for that. You've got to set those standards. John 16, tells us that we will have. I'm going to, I always shorten this verse. I ain't going to shorten it today. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Christ has just got through delivering a, a, a message of things, a, a, a list of things. He's trying to get across to these people to give them better understanding, okay? And he goes, these things that I've spoken, I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. And you're going to need the peace that comes from me because, look at this, in the world you will have tribulation. As long as you live here, it's going to be hard. <laughs> There's going to be suffering. It's going to hurt. You will have tribulation in this world. But look at what he says next. Be of good cheer. Because I've overcome the world. You see, this? you see this? I'm bad to take this scripture and break it down and just tell you part of it. I want to stop for a minute and let you see all of this. In me, in Christ, 
you may have peace. I'm telling you things so that you can know and understand that in Christ there is peace. You can have peace in Christ because in this world you will have tribulation. You're going to need some peace. And I need you to know where to find that peace. In this race there's going to be hard stuff, but I need you to know where you can get rest. I need to know where you can get encouragement. I need you to know and understand the purpose of this race. And it is in Christ that you find these things. Just like he says, in this world you will have tribulation. But in Christ you will have peace. He goes on to say, but be of good cheer. Even though there's tribulation, even though there's suffering, even though there's hard days, be of good cheer. Because Jesus Christ, whom you are in, has already overcome the world. The tribulations in the world, Christ has overcome the world. So that tells me that Christ has already overcome the tribulations. He wants you to know that. He wants you to understand and believe that. He wants you to hold tight. That's one of those places where you find your hope. If Christ is who He says He is, you have hope. Because yes, in this world there will be tough. In this world there will be suffering. In this world there will be sickness. In this world there will be loss. In this world, they, they, there will be tribulation. But be of good cheer because Christ has already overcome all of that. But you've got to endure it. You've got to get through it. You can't quit when it gets hard. You can't quit when you see tribulation. You can't quit when you endure loss. You can't quit. You've got to stay in the race. You've got to stay in the fight. You've got to keep the faith. Do you know how you prove that your faith is genuine faith? You don't quit on it. You know how you prove that your love is real, genuine, godly love? You don't quit. There's multiple things in Scripture that tell us the way you see something is false is when it dies, when it quits, when it stops. True love never fails, right? Genuine faith never stops. That's how you prove that it is genuine. That's how, you, that's how you know is that it don't quit. Not that it don't want to quit. Oh, yeah, there's days it wants to quit. Trust me. Yes, there's days that it hurts so bad that it'd be easier to stay in bed. I know. But you ain't got that option. You can't quit. You can't quit. You can't quit. This is one of the simplest principles of the gospel that never gets mentioned. We, we get convinced that if you come up here to this altar and you pray a prayer and you go back here and let me or Brother Kevin baptize you, then everything's going to be okay. And then you walk out in this world and guess what? You find out real quick. It's not okay. As a matter of fact, it hurts a little more than it did before. Then you know what happens? Seen it happen a hundred times. They quit. They go, this is, this is tougher than I thought it would be, and they quit. You can't quit. Quitting's not an option. Salvation isn't achieved at the beginning. <laughs> Look at where Paul got his prize, not where he started. When, when he got up from, you remember he was on the road to Damascus and his name was Saul and he was walking down through there and the Lord struck him blind, put these scales on his eyes and told him to go to this certain place and see this man named Ananias and he was going to remove him and give him some information and he goes there. He didn't stand up and go, I've been saved. I've fought the good fight. It's all over. 
No, that was the beginning for him. There was a lot Paul was going to endure from that day of getting his sight back to the day that we're reading about when he's at the end of his life. And he had to stick it out through all of that, right? It was at the end that the prize was there, not the beginning. Now, did he get some fruits along the way? Sure he did. did he, those things are called encouragement. That's what makes you want to dig in and dig a little harder. Makes you want to punch a little harder. Makes you want to stay a little longer. But they're just the first fruits of the ultimate reward. The ultimate reward is at the end of the race, the end of the fight. If you've kept the faith, you can't quit, y'all. You can't quit. We're in a society that says, hey, you just give it a try, and if you don't like it, you quit that and go do something else. That ain't how this works. It doesn't work that way. That mentality won't make it. It won't. It really, really won't. Verse 8. Finally, he says. Finally. Finally. What does it mean when you say that word? What, what about this? What about your kid comes home with straight A's and you grab the report card and you go, finally. What does that mean? What does that mean? Huh? It's about time. It's about time. You've tried and tried and tried and finally. In other words, there was something you was expecting, something you was desiring, and all along the way you ain't found it, but now you have. And what does he say? Finally. Finally, it's here. Finally, there is laid up for me. At the end, there is laid up for me. At the end of the fight, at the end of the race, at the end, not the beginning, not the middle, when I got to where God wanted me to get to, which is the end of my being here on earth, finally there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Finally. Finally it's there. He didn't receive it when he got baptized. He didn't see it when his conversion first took place. He didn't even see it when we strung up in, in prison. You, you know, Paul was thrown into one of the deepest, darkest holes a man could pop. Kevin did a study on the book of Acts one time and, and brought in pictures on Wednesday nights of, of these different places that, that Paul had been. And one of those was the prison. And I vividly remember the pictures they had of this prison. And it was down in a hole to get into the prison to take you into a hole. It was dark, cold, and, and Paul spent time there chained to the wall. You know what he was doing? Praising God. He was fighting the good fight. He was enduring whatever he had to endure to get to finally, <laughs> finally, I've been through all that and finally, and listen to me, it ain't just for Paul. Look at what he says. He's talking about the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And look at what it says next. And not only to me. Not, not to me only. I'm, I'm not special Paul and get a special reward because of who I am. No. Look at what he says. To all who have loved his appearing. So you know what you get if you finish the race? Same thing Paul got when he finished the race. Someday, if you can stick it out, if you can hang in there, if you cannot quit, if you, if you cannot quit, you know there's people that have quit this walk for some really minor things. They got their feelings hurt. Somebody said, a preacher, little short, fat, round, ball-headed, 
loud mouth preacher stood in a pulpit and said something they disagreed with and you know what they did instead of sitting down and having a conversation they quit they quit they quit they they came in one time and and, and the walls used to be this color and somebody in a business meeting voted to paint the walls a different color and they didn't like that color and you know what they did they quit it happens they, they were sitting one time having a conversation and somebody said this about that and that about this and it got all misconstrued and they got their feelings hurt and you know what they did? Go talk to that person, get it all worked out, straightened out, stay in the fight. You know what they chose? The path of least resistance. You know what that is? Quit. They quit. You can't quit. You can't quit. It's not an option. In order for you to get your reward, you've got to get to the end of the race. The end of the race. That's what you're looking for is the end of the race. Just like Paul. You've got to get to the end. You've got to fight the whole fight. Is it going to be tough? Yes. It's going to stink some days. It's going to hurt some days. It does. It, it really, that's, I'm telling you, it does. But you know what? You've got to get to your standard, stick to your standard, and stay on it till you get to the end of that race. You've got to apply the rules, and you've got to keep on keeping on. Quitting cannot be an option. And let me tell you, that's tough because you're electric. You're looking for the path of least resistance right now. Don't choose it. Don't choose it. Quitting can't be an option. Y'all stand. We're going to sing a song. I'm going to encourage you to do whatever God's laid on your heart to do. You ain't admitting nothing by showing up in this altar this morning. You deal with whatever God's laid on your heart to deal with. Whatever.